Hi, I've been asked to share about goodness as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And as I began to focus and try and unpack what this means and what to say, I felt led to explore my own understanding of the term goodness in this specific context, what it actually looks like as a fruit of God's Spirit. Because in my own life at least, I've met a number of people who I would say display a high level of goodness, according to my standards at least, but they weren't yet walking with God. So it's probably important to say that when we're talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God's definition and understanding of goodness, and to try and unpack what this looks like on his terms, so we're able to grow in this area. And when I started to break it down in his word, it became really clear that God's standard of goodness far surpasses my own in terms of how I'm naturally compelled to act or feel. And the plumb lines of God's standard by which his people are called to live can be found in Matthew 7, verse 12. And so it says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. So this sums up the law and the prophets. And to be honest, on the surface, this seems pretty doable. That is when the everything in question doesn't take us out of our comfort zone and feels easy and natural to us. And the others in question are also good to us and think like us and act like us. But this is where it begins to get really difficult. In Luke 6.27, Jesus says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. In verse 33, are you really showing compassion when you do good deeds only to those who do good deeds to you, even those who don't know God will do that? And again, in case you missed it, in verse 35, love your enemies, do good to them. And it's this that makes God's understanding different and stand out. His standard and expression of goodness is not dependent on the behaviour or condition of the other person. God isn't good to us because of who we are. He's good to us because of who he is. And whether we like it or not, according to God's word, we also don't get to decide who qualifies to be on the receiving end of our goodness. And that's really hard. And to be honest, I don't know about you, but I don't always wake up feeling like being good to people who aren't good to me or who even hate me. I need some serious help with this. I'm limited in my capacity to do this, which is exactly where the Holy Spirit comes in. And as I was thinking about the reality of this and how to walk with that in my own life, I really felt like God placed in my heart something Corrie Ten Boom says in her book, The Hiding Place. And what she says is, forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. And to put this quite into its context, Corrie and her sister Betsy were arrested for hiding Jews in their home during the Nazi occupation of Holland and they were placed in Ravensbrück concentration camp, where Betsy died. And Corrie survived, and after the war was called by God to go back to Germany and preach a message of forgiveness. And if this wasn't difficult enough to do, after preaching one night, a former guard from Ravensbrück, who was now a Christian, came up to her and placed his hand out for her to hold and asked for her forgiveness. And Corey wasn't sure that he even recognised her, but she certainly recognised him. And in that moment, all the painful memories, all the trauma and emotions that she experienced during that time, including Betsy's painful death, all came flooding back, and she froze, and she could not do what he asked. 
And she could have simply just walked away. But what made the difference is that Corrie was in a relationship with the living God and had the Holy Spirit living inside of her. And the overflow and consequence of this relationship led her to make a decision in that moment to be obedient to God's word. And so despite her inner turmoil and everything she was feeling, she silently prayed, Jesus, help me. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so she mechanically lifted her hand, and this is what she writes. As I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hand, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. And if this isn't a picture of the fruit of God's goodness, I don't know what is. But it's also such a practical example of what we mean when we talk about not doing things in our own strength. How we didn't have to manufacture up good feelings and love towards the former God. They didn't originate from her. They came directly from the Holy Spirit. I just had to be obedient and God did the rest. And this really helped me in giving me perspective and a practical application when thinking about Jesus' teaching about being good to our enemies. And Corey also admits in this passage something that's also really helpful and a massive key to walking in the fruit of God's goodness. She says, if there's one thing I've learned at 80 years of age, it's that I can't store up good feelings and behaviour. But only draw them fresh from God each day. And what I really get from this is an understanding of how essential it is to live in the daily reality of a close communion with God, actually being in his presence daily, getting to know what he's like, how he does things, what his will is, this idea of eating fresh bread. Um, and that's the only way to produce lasting fruit that glorifies God. Because if we don't do this, we have a tendency to forget and create our own version of God. Um, and like we see in nature, if we aren't connected to the vine, we simply will not produce fruit on our own. It's not physically possible, no matter how hard we try. And especially when God asks us to do the hard things. But when we begin to do these things, we can produce good fruit and do what God, what God asks of us, even in the hard places, and ultimately this is how God disrupts the plans of the enemy in our own lives and in the lives of other people. As it says in Romans 12:21, do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And so when we do this, we experience more of God, we keep our peace, and we also position ourselves for God to work and move on our behalf. Um, and so I found this really challenging and lots to think about and lots to apply to my own life. And I hope it's been helpful in some way.